Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to episode 286 of the Family Medicine Rocks podcast for Thursday, December 6, 2012. On tonight's show, my guest coming up is uh, family physician and author, Dr. Davis Liu, who's going to join me to talk about his new book entitled The Thrifty Patient, Vital Insider Tips for Saving Money and Staying Healthy. And you can check out more information about him at davisliumd.com, davisliumd.com. Also follow him on Twitter, uh, davisliumd. And after the interview, I'll be uh, giving uh, just a few updates on what's been kind of uh, going on. Uh, So episode 286 of the Family Medicine Rocks podcast starts right now. medicine and social media this is the family medicine rocks podcast on a thursday night i am your host your favorite family physician host my name is mike sabella and what is the show about this show is about social media through the eyes of a family physician that's right kids i invite you to check out my digital library of stuff at familymedicinerocks.com and uh, shout out to all the people following me on Twitter, all at 10,707 people follow me on Twitter. And also shout out to all the people who like the Facebook page for this show, all uh, 661 of you. Thank you so much for that. Uh, today is Thursday, December 6, 2012. It is 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. Pacific and uh, how's your week been going, kids? Uh, been uh, uh, It's been very exciting here uh, at Family Medicine Rocks uh, World Headquarters. Very uh, excited uh, about what's been uh, going on. I'll be sharing some of that after our interview this evening, uh, which may, we may not have an interview this evening because of Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> um, our guest is having a little bit of difficulty uh, calling in, and I did have difficulty calling into the home office here at uh, Blog Talk Radio, so uh, we'll we'll see. We'll see if Blog Talk Radio will allow uh, my guest to uh, call in. This is uh, uh, coming up, uh, Davis Liu, MD. He is a practicing board-certified family physician with the uh, Permanente Medical Group in Northern California since the year 2000. And he's author of the book, The Thrifty Patient, Vital Insider Tips to Save Money, which was published this year. Uh, and also an author of a second book, which I was not aware of. Uh, the second book, uh, Stay Healthy, uh, as well as uh, 
stay healthy, live longer, spend wisely, making intelligent choices in America's healthcare system. That is uh, from uh, 2008, and uh, both of those, I believe, are on Amazon, so uh, you can uh, check that out. And I'm going to read some of his uh, bio here. Uh, Dr. Liu is a writer, blogger, speaker who is passionate about transforming the healthcare system, educating patients to make choices, and the importance of physician leadership in making the healthcare system better. His comments have appeared in Fortune, Smart Money, uh, Remedy, uh, Real and Simple, and the New York Times. His opinion pieces have appeared in the San Francisco Chronicle and the Sacramento Bee and frequently appear on Kevin M.D. and the Healthcare blog. As the only physician in his family, many uh, times his family has benefited from his medical knowledge. As an insider, he increased the chances uh, that they would have good outcomes. Uh, This coupled with the business School training gives him a unique perspective not only on the challenges individuals have to stay healthy, but also the financial implications uh, to get there. He has given entertaining, engaging, and empowering educational presentations at the Franchise Tax Board, California Public Employees Retirement System, uh, University of California, San Francisco, Asian Vascular Clinic, the California Dental Association, Intel and Borders, as well as uh, various uh, active living communities like uh, Sun City, Roseville. And uh, until uh, healthcare reform improves uh, the American healthcare system, he feels individuals today need to have a vital information necessary to ensure uh, that they are doing the right things. Dr. Liu uh, completed his residency training at the Greendale Adventist Family Practice Residency Program. He received his medical degree from the University of Connecticut School of Medicine. He graduated summa cum laude and Phi Beta Kappa from the Wharton School of Business at the University of Pennsylvania. This bio was from uh, uh, his book and also from uh, his website. So very impressive. I'm going to be uh, asking him a lot about uh, uh some of his background um, as well. And uh, uh, he's still trying to get in here. I think he's almost, almost here. So I know it's uh, very exciting (laughs) out there, kids. Uh, I will finish my uh, intro here. Um, So so he'll be coming up here, and I will have some comments uh, following the interview, just kind of how things have been uh, going. So I think he might be in in, the... in the queue right now, so I will uh, I will uh, take my break here. I do want to thank Blog Talk Radio for having me be a featured host on this network. I've been a, a social media hobbyist since 2005, and if you're curious, yes, I am a real doctor. I am a, a family physician in full time private practice, uh, meaning I see five patients five patients five days a week in the uh, hospital and in my office here in beautiful northeastern Ohio. And I will take my break. So after the break, and he is here, battling through the Blog Talk Radio <laughs> phone tree. Uh, Dr. Davis Lou will be joining me right after the break. You're listening to the Family Medicine Rocks podcast. 
the unofficial podcast of the Family Medicine Revolution. Just Google FM Revolution for more details. And also a proud member of the ProMed Network of Podcasts. You can get there by going to ProMedNetwork.com. Dr. David Slew will be joining me right after this. That's right, Family Medicine's leading voice in social media, in my own mind. This is the Family Medicine Rocks podcast. And on the line with us, finally, uh, got through the author of the book, The Thrifty Patient Vital Insider Tips for Saving Money and Staying Healthy, Dr. Davis Lou joined us. Thank you for the time, sir. Hey, thanks for having me. Can you hear me okay? Yes, yes, you sound great. I, I apologize about the network here, uh, but uh, I'm glad that you were persistent and, uh, and got through and is on the show tonight. So thank you so much. I'll bet you it's not your network. It's probably my landline phone. I think I really have to use my iPhone in the future, so I apologize. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, so how are you doing? Thank you so much for the time. I, I thank, thank you for sending me the book here, and I uh, can't wait to, to talk about the, the book in a little bit here, but uh, just to get, get the listeners to, to kind of know a little bit who you are. I, I, I read your uh, your bio there a little bit, and uh, why don't we just kind of start you know, back. You know, I, of course, this uh, this. The show uh, uh, features uh, family physicians and talking about family medicine. And uh, why don't we just kind of start uh, with, uh, you know, how you came to find, you know, family medicine as a specialty in the first place. What draws you towards family medicine? Well, I think it's a great question. You know, as you pointed out in the bio, you know, I'm the only doctor in my family. So when I went to med school, I had a pretty open mind of doing anything and everything. And as a third-year uh, med student, I loved every single rotation. I started with OBGYN, I did pediatrics, and every single one of them I loved. And loved the fact my rotations were built like continuity, right? You'd see the kid after delivery, and then my next rotation was pediatrics, then we did general surgery, medicine, and psychiatry. So when I went to my fourth year, I was really leaning towards family medicine and, and OBGYN, and we decided family medicine gave me the uh, breadth and scope I really wanted to do. So it was uh, pretty obvious, I think, Um being trained on the East Coast, however, uh, family medicine is not uh, well represented, I think. So I, as you pointed out, um, I trained at Glendale Adventist in Los Angeles because the West Coast family medicine seems to have much more of a, a presence in the East Coast. And then I've been up here in California ever since. So I think it was a great choice. I love what I do every day and feel very blessed. And so you see uh, in your bio, it says you're the first physician in your family. What, what kind of drew you towards uh, medicine in, in the first place? You know, I just really like the thought of helping people. I mean, this sounds very trite, right? We all said this in our interviews, right? Um, I really like science and really like the rigid uh, thought process that, you know, scientists have to do with, with medicine. So um, it just seems like a natural evolution over time. I wish I could tell you at five years old I want to be a doctor, but since I really didn't have any role models and didn't really have any bad experiences with healthcare systems, so I didn't really have that. It just kind of just naturally evolved. There was no pressure from family. It just kind of did that way. and. And uh, you alluded to I went to business school as an undergrad. I kind of did that um, just out of curiosity, and that certainly solidified. If any, if I was going to go into business, that certainly solidified my decision not to go into business. 
Um, so it made even going to medical school even more obvious. So uh, can't complain. I think it's been really lucky and very natural evolution. Uh, now, if, if people go to your website, uh, davislewmd.com, I was uh, looking at, at that in preparation for this, and you have done a lot of media, um, and uh, that, that's great. Um, is that something that you kind of always uh, gravitated towards, you know, doing either newspaper or TV or radio? I mean, it seems like you have a lot of experience um, doing media. Uh, no, I, I wouldn't say that. I mean, I think you and a lot of other people I look to on social media actually have a lot more. Um, you know, Kevin MD alluded to earlier some of my blog posts and yourself. I mean, a lot of it wasn't planned. It was kind of just a natural evolution. I had started writing. This before blogging was really common. You know, the book was in, the first book you alluded to was in 08, but that book really started in 04, just writing it on weekends and nights and researching. So it took a while. Um, and uh, and then naturally some book promotion, just mostly um, by self promotion with uh, op-ed pieces and you know networking with people locally and stuff. So it just came over time. Um, but like anything else, um, you get better when you when you practice, you learn from others, and so um, I'm sure anyone could do it if they really wanted to. Um, certainly the platforms today it's much more easy to get your voice out as a physician. I think we'll talk about that later in, in your interview today, but. Um, uh, it's just natural evolution. I think we all get better at things we really are passionate about. So certainly getting the message out is something I'm very passionate about. Uh, my guest on the line is uh, David Slim, MD, the uh, author of the book, The Thrifty Patient, uh, Vital Insider Tips for Saving Money and Staying Healthy. Go get it right now over on uh, Amazon. Uh, so let's, let's dive into the book here, David. Um, you know, uh, I, well, I do want to touch on your first book uh, as well probably later in, in the interview, but, but uh, tell me kind of a, about the origins uh, of The Thrifty Patient and, and uh, you know, how, how and why you started writing this book. Yeah, so this actually is, uh, funny enough, it's actually an evolution from the first book. Um, the first book uh, is a theme that's building, the second one's much more concise in that way. Is you know, over time, as I've watched as a doctor, you know, the reason I write is because um, a couple things happen, as I allude to in the book. You know, a couple uh, errors in the healthcare system. Uh, one, my brother was diagnosed with this really rare um, cancer, and he's actually, the diagnosis is correct, but the surgical consultation was incorrect. He should have seen a musculoskeletal orthopedic uh, oncology surgeon, which uh, there's only two in the whole state of Connecticut, but uh, he wasn't referred to, to that, so that was concerning. And we just caught that by accident. He just called me the night before surgery. And then my dad had a really bad outcome with one of his um, with one of his uh, eyes, and uh, post-operative care was not where it should have been. The doctor, um, unfortunately, didn't do the right things. And and you wonder sometimes if I'd done business school and finished that, and, which I did, and been an accountant, which I was trained, uh, would I just chalk it off as just one of those things, or would I know better? And I, I, we, I think as we go over time, and I think we know that we can do better. But but th- that crosses into the intersection now with people are paying more for health care, and we're seeing this over in the country where people are paying high deductibles, kind of like auto insurance. And I don't know about you, but in my practice, I'm seeing, seeing more and more people jumping to skipping primary care doctors, like, my back really hurts. I'd like to have an MRI. Um, right, right. I'd rather do this by email because I, I can't afford my copay. And so right. there's a devaluation of primary care and doctors as if Google has got all the answers and we don't have a say. And so I'm very worried about that because uh, in the end, patients really do value the doctor-patient relationship, but we haven't really been very good um, uh, vocalizing how important we are. The value yeah, that's right. is less. Um, and then, of course, they got the marketing thing, right? So... Right now I'm talking to you, but I'm sure a few hours ago if you were watching the news, they'd be inundated with a bunch of ads. Ask your doctor if this is right for you. 
whenever right. I have the acid doctor, this is wrong for you. Um, <laughs> so I do worry. I do worry about them skipping costs, skipping cares, skipping preventive treatments like mammograms, uh, colon cancer screening, basic stuff you know I take for granted that we think they would do it. And so I'm really trying to write this as if this was a conversation with your primary care doctor and, and you at Starbucks for like four hours, what would he or she say to you? Like These are really important that you really should um, understand. So this is a really conversational book. It's, it's certainly directed to um, patients and Certainly, if anyone wants to have it in their, you know, in their office lobby, I'm sure a lot of patients would pick it up and just read and go, oh, I didn't know I should address my doctor this way when I talk about my history. I didn't realize the history is so important. So there came an evolution because it's frustrating. Every year you hear about sound voice, and it's always the same stuff over and over again. Don't do this, do this, don't do this. And patients are just so confused. And 15-minute visit doesn't do it justice, so I just kind of consolidated as if you had a four-hour conversation with your friendly doctor at Starbucks for, you know, an afternoon and take it to his or her brain. And I hope that comes clear in the book. Uh, yeah, and, and just to let people know, this is a quick read. I mean, this is, uh, you know, I, I like the language. It's, it's for the common patient. Um, it's for this the general, you know, you know, citizen out there to, to, it's kind of a handbook, just like you said. I mean, some of the chapters here I'm going to read here. It's, a, you know, what to do to stay healthy, the thrifty patient, make every doctor visit count, uh, prescriptions not just for sick people, the mistakes healthy patients always make, your medical team, uh, and using Dr. Google, Chapter 7, uh, when to seek care and how to uh, get the best care. Um, was it tough kind of, you know, picking the chapters? Or, I mean, you probably had, you know, at least double the amount of, of information that you wanted to get out there. Um, uh, did you want to touch on any of those? I mean, all those are great chap- names for chapters. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it came from book one. Um, book one is actually a lot bigger, um, and I did have to hone it down because I really wanted to get the, the essentials. So some of the things were, were dropped. and um, But, yeah, I mean, they're all good. I mean, uh, you know, Kevin was nice enough to, uh, Kevin MD recently uh, cross-post the, uh, the chapter, uh, you know, the mistakes healthy patients uh, always make, and there's lots of great feedback there right now. Um, not I agree with all of them, but at least there's people passionate on both sides. And the whole point about that is people often assume that they do all the right things health-wise, therefore they don't need vaccinations, they don't need you know, colon cancer screen, they don't need uh, to check you know, um, uh, blood pressure or cholesterol. They want to wait till they have symptoms. And then, of course, um, going to the cholesterol issue, prescriptions are not just for sick people because, you know, I don't know about you, but Sometimes trying to convince people to take medications, not because they haven't tried diet and exercise, because maybe they um, have been able to do successfully, uh, maybe their time doesn't allow them, maybe their genetic stones doesn't allow them, that, you know, it's okay to do uh, medications in a thoughtful way um, because our society in many ways is unnatural now. We, we don't grow our own food. We tend to sit a lot more than, you know, people even 100 years ago. And so maybe it's okay to consider medication to really decrease risks of stroke and heart attack in a society that in some ways is a little unnatural, but I totally get it. People want to do without it, but there's this mindset somehow that medications are all evil. And as my patients, I tell them, would you ever say no to antibiotic for pneumonia? They go, no, of course not. Well, why would you say no to maybe a blood pressure medicine? It's just one small pill. Not because I want you on it for life, but I want to protect your body. So trying to really frame it from the perspective of the patient. And I'd be curious if anyone has feedback, so you can shoot me feedback. You've got my, Twitter uh, handle at Davis Lou MD, and I'd love to hear from my colleagues out there and what their uh, insights are and, and see. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff there, but I really try to hone it down to the critical pieces that patients uh, want. 
Yeah, in, in the in the prescription section, uh, there is a section called the truth about free samples, and it says uh, free samples don't help the uninsured or those who can't afford prescription medication. Studies show that the typical patient receiving free samples has insurance and is of higher income. Perhaps this isn't so surprising, which is, you know, I mean, if, you know, any any primary care doctor, you know, knows this. Uh, but, you know, maybe the general public doesn't know this, and, and uh, this book has a uh, – uh, I like how it's laid out because after each of the sections, you know, you have your take-home points, and which is like one or two or three paragraphs, which really kind of boils down each of the chapters uh, to its essence, and I think that makes a, a very easy read. Yeah, so I appreciate the feedback, and I look forward to many others. Again, it's not—it's uh, really trying to be researched, not just anecdotal, as you pointed. I do try to research a lot of studies and, and put them in there. So it really is a wake-up call, I think, for for patients and the public that. You know, family medicine doctors really do matter. Uh, we are the front lines for any uh, healthcare system, and uh, skipping us is, may not be good for their wallet or their health. And I really think people need to really evaluate what matters in, in life. And I think primary care doctors are the front lines for any important uh, functioning healthcare system. Um, and um, you know, the, the last chapter here, using Doctor Google. I mean, you know, we, we talk about the use of the internet. You know, obviously on this show, and that's kind of what, what I'm all about. Uh, when you get questions from patients about, you know, what, what they find on Google or what they find on the internet, kind of, kind of, how do you approach that with them? How do you counsel them about about some of the information that's found on the internet? Yeah, so I mean, I, I try to use analogies a lot, um, and what we find in the internet, obviously, is people tend to look up information that's self-reinforcing, right? It's called confirmation bias. So if I think I have a certain condition, I tend to research that condition more and more and more. And by the time you see your doctor, you're so convinced you have this. I mean, we had this in med school. It's third years and fourth years, right, that it's almost unshakable. So I don't mind if patients come in and we have a candid, thoughtful conversation about why this might not be right because, yes, these symptoms on paper or on the computer are true, but what you see clinically is not exactly what they meant by that. And if I could take you on the wards like we do in the med school, then you'd see what it really looked like. Um, so I have no problem with that. I just think um, – uh, and we talk about in the book, you know, don't bring your doctor 20 pages of, you know, print out and expect he or she to read it. I mean, that's not likely. But, you know, if you have a couple links that might be helpful, then we'll have a conversation. And uh, most of the time patients, I believe it or not, I think you know this too, right? Patients really do value our opinions. Um, they really do value our opinions. And, and, you know, I've learned from my patients. I had a patient many years ago who actually found out this medication was approved in Europe called Spiriva. Uh, but that was well before Spree was FDA approved, but he told me about it. And so I learned a lot from him. So um, I think we can learn from our patients and we need to be humble, but we need to lead the way and, and advise them that sometimes what they read on the Internet isn't true. And there's one anecdote there you may have read about, about a guy on Craigslist, homeowner. He was, someone put, he's having a fire sale. He comes home to his house and everyone's like rummaging through his place. And he goes, what's going on? And they hold this piece of paper. Well, it says there's a fire sale here at, at your house. And he goes, but I own the place. There's no fire cells. Well, it must be true, and they hold this hand out. So I think we've got to be cognizant that Google exists. People use it because it's convenient, easy, and non-fundamental. doesn't, you know, bias or question you if you're looking up stuff. But at the end of the day, patients really value their doctor's opinion, and I think if we're open-minded and try to figure out ways to, uh, to engage with them, uh, if, they, if they're engaging, then I think it's not a problem. So I, I welcome it. Um, I guess on the line is uh, Davis Liu, MD, uh, author of the book, The Thrifty Patient, Vital Insider Tips for Saving Money and uh, Staying Healthy. Um, and, and you mentioned that this is kind of a part two of your first book, and I want to mention that too. It's called Staying Healthy, Living Longer, uh, Live Longer, Spend Wisely. 
And uh, so you said that that uh, a lot of the topics in your second book kind of kind of came from your first book as well. Is that right? Well, what happened was the second one was a very ambitious project. Uh, it covers like the truth about body scans, what I didn't talk about in this book. It talks about the realities of the HSA health savings accounts and what the pros and cons are in terms of you know uh, retirement savings and how you might thoughtfully use that. Um, what I discovered with that is it was it was so broad that it kind of lost its message. So this this one, the 50 patient, really is honing down because a lot of people who are trying to save money probably don't have a couple hundred dollars to buy a body scan, nor should they, right? It's not really value-added at all. Um, and, and they may not be that sophisticated or curious about uh, health savings accounts, which at the time were starting to rise. I mean, they're still they're still increasingly more prevalent and people are, are using them, but I really want to hone it down. So I did cut out some of the other stuff. And then a lot of the content from the 50 patient was just over the time that you said I, I've written some op-ed pieces, I've done some uh, presentations and trying to come up with stories and anecdotes um, help build this uh, particular uh, book, The 30 Patient, which is basically revamped and much, much better in many ways. Um, and then we talk about anecdotes from the media. So we talk about Tim Russert, who died, uh, unfortunately, of a sudden heart attack uh, four years ago, um, even though he had a perfectly normal workup at George Washington. So we talk about the myth of um, heart disease screening. We talk about breast cancer screening with uh, Elizabeth Edwards, um, Christina Applegate, and uh, um, Cheryl Crow, uh, three women who had breast cancer at different stages and, and how they uh, found it in different ways and try to make that um, connection between, you know, what people see in the media to, to what doctors believe. So I think uh, The 50 Patient is a fast read and it's definitely a much, uh, even though I love the first one, uh, this, this one I think is much more approachable and much easier to read. The second one I think is just much more comprehensive, so it's got a lot more details in other areas which aren't really just healthcare. Hmm, okay. Okay. Can you talk a little bit about kind of your your process of, of, of kind of how, how you you know you put the book together? I mean, did, did you have people kind of you know read drafts or or did you do the whole thing or did you just um, can you can you share a little bit about that? Because I get a lot of questions, especially from family docs who want to you know uh, you know uh, you know, just do what you're saying, you know, just kind of, kind of you know share the other side of things and uh, you know just just try to combat a lot of misinformation that's out there. Can you share a little bit about your process of how uh, you know how you how you wrote the books? Absolutely. First of all, I think the first question anyone should do before they write a book is why they want to write. And is it really about writing a book or is it just getting the message out? Because the platforms today, which were not really available as much, I mean, I was probably pretty naive too in you know, 07, 08 when it first came out, and I was already working on the book in 04, you know, blogging, Twitter, Facebook, at least, you know, at the levels there are now, was really not there. And certainly if your goal is to get the message out, I think there's many different platforms to do it on. And Certainly, book writing is certainly just one way. Um, the process is like uh, anything else. It's uh, practice. It's setting time aside. It's jotting notes. It's maybe getting up in the morning, half hour early, and just writing some stuff. And after a while, you get some ideas from patient encounters or stories and writing some more and then tweaking it. So um, I, wrote, I just wrote over a period of time. And I think just don't, don't think of it like I'm going to cut eight hours of my day and just close with my door and write. I think it's really a process. And, after a few days, a few weeks, uh, you know, a few months, and lo and behold, you have some content there, and then, you know, have some people read it, um, get found some ideas. Um, I always try to think of myself, if I was a patient picking this up and I don't know anything about it, um, how would I read it? And then putting it away for a while. If you write every day for a month or so, put it away for two or three weeks, and then come back and look at it again. A fresh set of eyes often helps uh, make edits and stuff. Um, so that's just the process. Um, 
the question you had, I think, uh, in getting ready for our interview tonight was, you know, how do you how do you publish a book if that's the way you want to go? And there's far more resources than ever to do that. Um, I used uh, CreateSpace.com, uh, which is an affiliate of Amazon, and you know, if they give you different options. You can make your book, and I thought it was really helpful. And I really wish I had this in in wait, but it is what it is. And I think publishing a book is e- easier than ever. So I think the real first question would be um, to anyone who would want to write. Uh, why do you want to write, and what's your goal in getting the message out? Do you uh, did, did you uh, um, seek out a publisher, or how, how did you go through that process? Uh, for which one? Uh, for for either one. Yeah. So um, the first book I did pitch to um, uh, literary agents, um, and then again we're going back to '07, '06, really. Um, they went they shopped it around to a few places, and it didn't really get the traction. Um, part of the reason is um, you'll see this in every media now, not just publishing, but you know movies and television. If you don't have a platform, it's, they just don't want to uh, publish you. Um, so I think, but the world's changed a lot, right? You can you can do radio interviews on the internet like you're doing tonight. You've been doing for the last, I guess, 2005, if I heard that correctly. That's correct. Um, you have different platforms, and so I, I don't think you know. I think self-publishing, in many ways, is is very easy and gives you a lot more control. You know, you control the content, you control the uh, the design. Uh, the challenge might be in marketing distribution channels, but again, I think that's starting to narrow. You know, social media, um, websites, blogging. And, and the last thing, really, is you, as you look in traditional publishers, you know, um, you know Tim Ferriss, who wrote the Four Hour Work Week, you know, he's going pure Amazon. So we'll see how that pans out. But I think a lot of um, pu- authors are really saying we want to control back from our publishers. And this is really no different if you look at the music industry, right, with iTunes and how, you know, uh, artists are not doing their own music and really um, not using the uh, publish uh, the uh, I'm sorry the music industry as much and making CDs and stuff. So. I think that's a natural evolution. So, again, going back to the first point, why do you want to write? What's your goal? If you want to write a book, there's plenty of ways to do that. If you want to just get the message out, there's so many cheaper ways and much easier ways to do that than there weren't uh, when I was writing. And uh, how um, you know, how, how are you getting the word out about the book? Uh, I mean, obviously using social media channels or um, are you using kind of all kinds of channels as far as traditional media and social media type of uh, methods? Yeah, so um, I actually hired a book publicist, uh, Kathy uh, Lewis. Uh, she's excellent uh, a few years ago. Um, this time I'm trying a little different uh, approach, but certainly I think she's highly recommended. And so a lot of the placements were actually uh, due to her um, old uh, uh, contacts she had in the past. And I've had some really great uh, reporters. There's plenty of um, uh, freelance writers out there who write on health, and so they've contacted me periodically, so I've outreached to them. and and they, uh, they'll place their, uh, my story uh, and my points of view as well as the uh, book uh, title with it. So I think there's multiple channels. Um, I'm certainly not an expert on that. Certainly other people are far better than I. And, again, there's a lot of content out there. So I think, I think it's a really great uh, future for doctors who want to make sure our message is, is heard. And it's not heard, and it should be. So I, I think it's really exciting times for those who are aspiring to write. And uh, have you started the next book yet? <laughs> I know you just you just gotten this one out, uh, but uh, oh, you're so funny. I, I was like thinking after it came out, you're absolutely right. I was like, wow, you know, I should have put this in, I should have put that in, I should have put this in. And uh, the funny thing is, you know, I think is it Seth uh, Gord Gordis, I think, or Gordon, who's like one of these gurus on that. It's like artists and and producers ship, right? You just got to get it exactly. Out. So exactly. I had to ship. Yeah. Am I thinking the third one? <laughs> let's uh, let's see how. 
Let's see how this is going. I don't know. Really, <laughs> website blog post, get it retweeted, you're good to go, right? So I, I don't know. I don't know. To be to be frank with you, Mike. But hey, you know what? We'll see what the feedback is from your from your audience. Again, I'd love to hear from them. They've got you know my my Twitter uh, uh, you know handle um, and yeah. But who knows? I didn't I didn't think I would write a second, right? But now I'm writing a second. So who knows? No promises here, Mike. Um, and before I let you go, can you describe a little about your practice situation? I know you said you're, you're with the Permanente Group. Or you, uh, do, do you do you do you only see ambulance, you know, uh, outpatients, ambulatory patients? Do you see inpatients? What's your uh, situation? Yeah, so you know, when I joined in 2000, it was really uh, you know full time. It was both uh, hospital duties and uh, outpatient. Over time, um, I've actually cut down to part time since I actually have a kid now. Um, and then over time, we've evolved to a hospital-based system, so I'm actually all ambulatory. And uh, really uh, can't complain. We have a full electronic medical record. We're fully integrated with our specialists. Um, sure, we have our hiccups, but, I mean, who doesn't? But overall, we're always working to get better. And, I, I you know, like anything else, I love the people I work with. I love my patients a, a lot. And I can't imagine a, a better uh, specialty being than, than family medicine uh, with the continuity. I think I've had a lot of uh, patients join uh, when uh, – I'm sorry, switched to me when I first joined in 2000. They've, they've been with me for 12, 13 years. And, you know, it's just treasuring that long-term relationship, I think, is what makes our specialty so great. And that's one thing I love. My wife's an oncologist, um, so she has a different take on her – she loves her long-term relationships, but they tend to be intense chemotherapy relationships yeah. for three or four weeks. So. But but she she understands the continuity. That's why she um, she became an oncologist. So I think I think what really matters in healthcare, and I think patients crave this, um, is that connection. And how do we connect with them? Either via in person, via phone, email, social media. I think that's really the the future for family medicine, and, and I'm very excited. That's where we're heading. I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I can't agree with you more. I mean, you, you kind of opened up, uh, you know, with that is that uh, you know primary care and family medicine. I mean, we, we need to do more to stand up, uh, you know, for ourselves. You know, and I think we've let uh, other people tell the family medicine story, and it's the wrong story. And, and we have to say, hey, you know, we we really do give. You know, you know, high quality care that is not as expensive as everybody else, and you know we have you know increased satisfaction whether it's physician, provider, patient satisfaction, um, and this is something that we really need to you know rise up and, and do. And, and I'm glad people like you are doing this, and and uh, that we're trying to to get uh, you know because and you've seen this too, David. It's just like you know primary care, family medicine, we just getting just so beat down over the years and uh, you know demoralized and all that kind of stuff. And and I'm really seeing a resurgence in this. And I'm very, very, you know, um, hopeful and energized that people like you are, are, you know, taken to, you know, the you know, the airwaves and writing books and everything like that. And uh, it's 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 great, you know, you're trying to, you know, help amplify your message out there. And I think it's it's great work that you're doing. And and uh, you know, I I I uh, thank you for the, for this book. I I, I got to read the first book, but it's just I'm so excited just just talking to people like you, and and it's it's just really energizing for me. Well, Mike, I'm very inspired by, by what you've done. Certainly, uh, I didn't realize you were Dr. Anonymous before Dr. Anonymous, you know, became revealed. Um, you certainly had a vision way back before a lot of us did on, on I mean, this is your, what, 286 episodes? So I clearly That's right. uh, you talk about persistence, that you, you've demonstrated that. And, and I'm also excited because there are a lot of people in the pipeline, the medical students I run into who uh, work with me, first years. That's the critical time. And when they see that primary care can be done better, 
uh, with technology, with team-based care, a lot of things that we talk about at the American County Physicians, you know, at the leadership level that I see through um, all the people you network with. I think this will be very exciting, and it really is our, our uh, time to really define what American healthcare should be, and I really do think it starts with county physicians. So thank you for all the leadership you've uh, done, and, and so I look forward to supporting anyone who's interested in, in writing or any other ways I can help. Great, great. Well, uh, Dr. Davis Lewis, I'll let you give uh, a couple of uh, closing thoughts, but I do want to mention both of your books here before before I let you go. So uh, The Thrifty Patient, Vital Insider Tips to Staying Healthy and Saving Money, and also check out the book Stay Healthy, Live Longer, Spend Wisely, both by Davis Lou MD. Uh, check him out on his website, davislewmd.com. Also follow him on Twitter, Davis Lou MD. I believe you have a Facebook page uh, as well. Um, so before I let you go, uh, David, do uh, you have any uh, closing thoughts for our audience tonight about the book, about family medicine, about uh, anything that you would like to close out uh, our interview with this evening? Well, I, I think, first of all, I thank you again for having me you on know, this uh, great platform. I think, uh, you know, you and many others are leading the charge for family medicine and, and primary care in general. I think we as physicians need to take back leadership. I think uh, leadership has been defined by others who don't have MD degrees or actually um, don't understand what we do. And we have to engage with our patients, whether it's uh, virtual, via social media, email, or one-on-one, and really have our message out. Um, I think when we do those things together, especially not fight amongst each other, or really say what we need to do, as, as, especially as a country, I think we'll win. But I think one thing I've seen lacking over the years, and I really hope doctors step up, is we need physician leadership. We need to step up in those areas and take the things that are quote, not fun, the administrative stuff, the nitty-gritty stuff to really fix what we need to fix to make sure that everyone gets a primary care doctor. Everyone has a relationship that you and I value as doctors and patients because too many uh, in this country rely on us, and we've got to make sure we lead the charge. Well said, well said. Well, thank you so much for the time. Uh, It's been great talking with you. you (laughs) I don't want to give you any pressure, but whenever you do your next book, whether it's five years from now or, you know, a year from now, please let me know. I'll be happy to to help out with that. Uh, Thank you so much for the time tonight, David. It's been great talking with you. Thank you, Mike. Thank you so much. Take care. Okay, and uh, we will be right back here on the Family Medicine Rocks podcast. I have some, uh, some more thoughts here right after this. That's right, the show that is the unstoppable force of family medicine. This is the Family Medicine Rocks uh, podcast here on a Thursday night. How about that, kids? How about that? Very excited about that. That is that is a guy, that is a force to be reckoned with out there, kids. Um, again, I want to thank my guest, uh, Davis Lou, MD, author of the book, The Thrifty Patient, Vital Insider Tips for Saving Money and Staying Healthy. And to go to Amazon right now, and uh, I believe it's a Kindle book as well. So, I mean, you can, you can get it, like, right as I'm talking to you. Um, and his, also his other book, uh, Stay Healthy, Live Longer, Spend Wisely. And uh, so, yeah, uh, his website is uh, com, and also follow him on Twitter at davislewmd. Uh, so, great, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a quick read. I mean, it's a quick read. It's 100 pages. You know, even I could finish it. 
so it's uh, it's good stuff. Uh, so I just have a few more comments here uh, this evening, and uh, you know it's it's been a really good week. Uh, uh, you know, uh, the past week, uh, the next week show, the next show, uh, I'm going to be talking about the conference I was at uh, last week. I'm going to. I won't try to squeeze it in this show, but I'll, I'll give it a whole show next week. It's the Conference on Practice Improvement in Greenville, South Carolina, organized by our friends at the uh, Society of Teachers of Family Medicine and also American Academy of Family Physicians. And it was a really good meeting. Uh, I'll talk about it more next week, but uh, a lot of it talked about practice transformation uh, patient-centered medical home, you know, what are those things? What are those buzzwords? I'm going to get into that next week. I don't have time to get into that right now. Uh, but those in the primary care and family medicine world know what I'm talking about. And uh, I was able to, and I'll talk about this next week, I was able to do some cool social media stuff uh, during the meeting. I was able to uh, record some video interviews. Um, I did some blog posts. I did some pictures. Um, and I'll talk about the... Uh, the session I was a part of, the powerhouse session I was uh, a part of uh, with our good friends Dr. Jay Lee uh, and uh, <laughs> Dr. Ben Miller and uh, uh, Richmond Doc. <laughs> Mark. <laughs> oh, man. And, um, yeah, yeah, Mark Ryan. He's going to kill me because I forgot his name. I blanked on his name. I'll never live that down. Uh, but we had a great session. It was uh, uh, and it was so good that I forgot to I forgot to video record it because I'm an idiot. Um, and I had the whole thing set up. It was going to be fabulous. And then uh, for some reason I forgot to hit the record button, and it is out in the ethos. I mean, it's like not even anywhere. Um, there were a lot of tweets that were uh, done during the session, and I very much appreciate that. Um, I was able to storify them. Um, I have to organize them and, and then put them on the uh, put them on the blog. Uh, hopefully, in the next uh, few days. Uh, but I'll, I'll reflect a little bit on that uh, conference uh, next week on on next week's show on the next show. Uh, so, so I'm talking about that. And, and also, um, there will be a show. I'm, I'm hoping to do another show before the end of the calendar year. Uh, kind of looking towards looking towards 2013. What I think. Is going to happen in 2013. What I'd like to see happen for me personally, for this brand, the Family Medicine Rocks brand, the Dr. Mike Savilla brand, uh, because, uh, you know, hey, yeah, social media work moves very quickly, and uh, you have to get ahead of things. You can't get stale. you got to stay fresh. And I have some ideas on how I'm going to be, uh, going to be doing that. They'll probably all fail, um, but I um, um, hope to put together that show uh, before the uh, before the end of the year and January comes, and um, you know I have some ideas on uh, how to uh, keep this very very exciting uh, and uh, to keep you, all of you people interested because 2012 this year 2012 has seen the listenership of this show uh, explode uh, and I very much thank all of you out there for taking the time to download the show to listen to the show to give me feedback on the show. Uh, and I think next year is going to be going to be huge, going to be very exciting, and uh, I'm happy to uh, carry all of you along with me uh, as I continue my social media journey. Uh, but I'm humbled. I'm still humbled by by the amount of support that I have had for all of my social media projects through the years, and it is 
That is thanks to every single one of you out there that listen to the show, that visit the blog, that uh, that watch the YouTube videos, all that because of all of you. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for that. Uh, so that ends my show here uh, this evening. My name is Mike Sevilla, and uh, check out my digital library of stuff at familymedicinerocks.com, and uh, follow me on Twitter, Dr. Mike Sevilla, uh, and uh, like the pa- Facebook page for this uh, show, facebook.com slash famedrocks, um, and you can get all my information at the website. So next week's show, I'm going to be talking about the Conference on Practice Improvement, my experience there, what I learned there, and why it is important for our healthcare system. So I'm on call this weekend, so all of you out there on Twitter and Facebook, you'll be seeing I'll be whining about it, uh, but uh hope you can tolerate my whining. <laughs> but I'll be here uh, next week. I'm not sure what time, uh, but uh, pay attention to Twitter and the Facebook page for that. So thanks again for listening to the show, either live or on the podcast. And uh, we will talk to you all very soon. Have a good week. Have a good weekend. We'll talk to you all very soon. Good night, everybody. <laughs>